cookies, identity, and your privacy. That's what we're talking about today on Sounds Profitable with me, Brian Barletta. I know that you're listening to Sounds Profitable because podcast ad tech is important to you, but it's important to me that you are kept up to date on the latest news from the entire podcast industry. To help with that, here's what happened last week, no matter when you're listening, from James Cridlin at Pod News. In September 2020, there was a major shakeup in data collection, which seemed to mark a trend. I wrote an article on the subject called, Does the Loss of Digital ID Impact Podcast Advertising? That covered the trends and its effect on the podcast advertising industry, and it's linked in the episode details. To break down what this means for digital and how digital will handle looking more like podcasting, I spoke to Rashab Jain, formerly of LiveRamp. The people at LiveRamp are experts at data collection and data stewardship, and Rashab was kind enough to lend his expertise. Rashab, thank you so much for joining me here today on the Sounds Profitable podcast. It's a pleasure to be here, Brian. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And so, you know, me and you have had a chance to work together for a little while now in different companies I've been at. And so you're over at LiveRamp, which is really cool. And the reason I wanted to pull you into this conversation today is because we're going to talk about the loss of digital ID that everybody's so freaked out about in the whole advertising ecosystem. And we're going to talk about how it relates to podcasting. And so To start things off, as you're the expert on it, and the article was really more about what the space is doing overall and not just podcasting, could you give us a little bit of background on what's going on with this concept of the loss of digital ID and what identity, which I believe is what's coming next, uh, is is really all about? Yeah, for sure. So there have been this slow movement, and, and now it's going to become really big with Chrome of losing digital IDs. So actually the very first one was Safari. You know, it's really hard for advertisers to work with Safari. And then Firefox implemented something similar. So it's really hard for advertisers to work with Firefox, but you know, people I think got used to that. And so (laughs) we, we don't talk about that as much, but then when Google Chrome announced that they're going to remove the third party cookie, at the start of 2022 is essentially the timeline that they gave. That became a big deal because what started to happen is that Chrome is essentially more than half of people's browsing usage. And so when you remove the third-party cookie, you have basically removed the main identifier that people use today to do advertising. So what I mean by that, for those of you listening who are new to advertising is there's this small snippet of you know code or basically a small file that gets written onto your browser so literally onto chrome and you know a lot of people know this because there's this thing clear cookies and clear cache so what these companies do is they actually write a an identifier so you know something arbitrary abc123 and that allows them when you go to different websites to see that it's the same browser visiting those websites. So, you know, if I'm using my computer and I first go to, you know, a clothing website, so clothing.com, and then after that I go to a magazine, you know, magazine.com, then that clothing company can advertise to me on that magazine website 
because I have the same cookie, right? They can identify that it's the same browser being used when I go from one to the other. And now that Chrome is getting rid of it, that's going to be a really big problem for, for advertisers. So that's what most people are upset about. And then recently, very interestingly, Apple decided that they're going to actually ask a question about whether or not the user wants for the company to track them with, with identifiers, right? So there's this pop-up, yeah. uh, which is also going to throw you know, a similar wrench into the mix. <laughs> so with Cookie, before we get too far off of it, I think one of the hardest parts is that most people don't understand there's two different types of cookies, right? So if I own clothing.com in your example, I have my own first party cookie, right? Where it's, I save your information as I see you because you've consented to be part of my website. Now, what I can save and how I save it does have a lot to do with the regulations of CCPA, GDPR and all of that. But in general, first-party data, first-party cookie is still going to exist in all of these browsers, right? Yeah, no, you bring up an excellent point. So what's important for people to think about is when I go to clothing.com, clothing.com can still know, hey, this browser is visiting my website every time I go back to that website. And that's actually absolutely necessary because otherwise you wouldn't be able to do things like keep people logged in or keep the session that you were previously at when you were on a, on that site, right? So that's, I mean, that's absolutely necessary. But what happens, and this is where it gets really interesting, is because that website can have a first-party relationship with you, now you get the opportunity to create an identifier that is more persistent directly with your visitor, right? So... Now, let's say I go to clothing.com or actually let's say I use magazine.com, right? In order to read the content on that magazine, they can ask for my email address. And when they do that, now all of a sudden, if I use the same email address on clothing.com and magazine.com, now you start to realize, okay, I have a different way to actually connect these people on the back end as long as I have the permission to do so. So that's that's a big thing to point out that this becomes a switch to on the back end with permission versus on the front end, right? So a cookie, a third party cookie means that a company is putting that capturing technology or the identification technology on all these different sites and, and the sites are allowing it, right? I, I want to make it really clear that like there's no third party out there that's managing to get their code on sites that didn't invite them in and didn't agree to share them. But with this change, instead of on the client's device linking them at the time of access, identity, which is what you kind of explained, which was comparing magazine.com first party data to we said shopping.com or whatever it was, first party data, it's on the server end. So we're starting to see companies like LiveRamp where you work say that we're they're going to be an identity solution that says, send us your first party data. We'll aggregate it together. We'll make it targetable. But instead of a world where someone can buy cookie IDs or buy device IDs or buy things like that, it's not something that's going to have a granular exit from that collection, but it's still going to allow granular targeting, right? That's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think that the interesting thing becomes, you know, and this is where I'm sort of curious how you think about it. The interesting thing becomes there are places where you can ask for that information, right? When I go to, when I'm on my computer and I go to magazine.com or shopping.com, you know, you can ask me for my email address and I can give it to you. And that's like perfectly reasonable. I have a keyboard in front of me, but there's a lot of places that today 
that's very hard to do, right? So if I'm listening to something, you know, we're here talking about podcasting too, that's non-trivial. So I'm actually kind of curious from your perspective, how do you see these sorts of, you know, this trend of, of moving away from these identifiers starting to impact those advertisers who want to think not only about the browser, but also about, you know, other, I mean, these are channels that people, that consumers engage on, in fact, yeah, more so than, than on websites. So Yeah, no, you're super right. I think the big thing to, to always uh, harp on is that in podcasting, we've never received as the hosts and the ad servers, cookie or mobile device ID. So we're not necessarily losing anything. But the players that are taking these actions, right, like whether it's Spotify, Apple, whoever, are probably not going to participate in that identity solution, right? They're not going to sell their data accessible through LiveRamp or through any of the other competitors out there. And that means that we're not going to get additional podcast-specific data. But what really excites me is it feels like the shift to identity has made people say, we can't take IP address for granted. And for podcasting, that's the biggest identifier we have. The user agent is cool, but the user agent is unique to the specific podcast app you're in, which isn't experienced anywhere else. Like there's nobody getting ads served to them in the Spotify app and a third party seeing that user agent anywhere or Overcast or Apple. So that user agent doesn't add to the equation, but the IP address does. It says this is the household. And, you know, me and you talked, I think we've been talking for almost a year specifically about that. And um, it was very cool because LiveRamp was one of the first companies to say, yeah, there is a lot there with IP. And I think you guys, is, is it fair to say you dove into IP more because of um, connected TV? Yeah, so this is exactly right, as, as you're saying, is that there's a lot of ecosystems out there where you don't have the opportunity to have somebody in front of a keyboard and be able to engage with their identity in the same way. And so connected devices, uh, the podcasting industry. So when I say connected devices, the first one that people think about is actually your connected TV, right? So your TV nowadays, I watch TV 100% internet-based, right? So yeah, I basically subscribe to services that, that stream things to me. And so, yeah, there's this question of how do we make sure that we're showing relevant ads to people who are watching TV through a connected device? And so... Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, LiveRamp and and several others, you know, don't want to talk too much about one particular company. The ecosystem in general is really thinking about how do we use IP? And for sure, LiveRamp is, is, you know, a strong player here. We, you know, we think a lot about how do we make sure that we can find the right IP addresses for the right people. And at the same time, make sure that they have appropriate permissions and and some sort of notice and choice. You know, that's one of the things that that we also spend some time talking about is you don't want consumers feeling like, oh, there's some data collection going on in the background that we're not aware of. You want to sort of make them aware, hey, actually, this is how we're going to use your data and we're going to use it so that way you have a better experience, right? Yeah, that's perfect. I mean, that's actually a really great way to talk a little bit about privacy because podcasting, Everyone really likes to talk about privacy in podcasting, which is so funny. And I harp on this specifically. In podcasting, we get IP, user agent, and content. We don't get anything else that's the identifier. So when you say, please don't cookie my website or me on a website, and when you say, please don't share my mobile ad ID, they still get your IP address, your user agent, and the content. 
And so when we talk about privacy, we're talking about like the rest of the world is talking about cookies and mobile device IDs. Podcasting, we're talking about IP. And I think on the collection side, there are going to be some changes where how all that works in the CCPA, GDPR, and other regulatory areas. But the other part of the equation comes in with attribution and identification for targeting that people overlook that what's really neat about this shift away from third-party pixels and third-party cookies in the mindset that I could go to a website, have not really consented fully to things, and that third-party cookie could grab me. You know, there's somewhere if you don't hit accept, like it, it gives you, you know, get more info or accept, or, you know, there's no decline option there. You know, that's, I feel forced into it. But with identity, what's really attractive here is that backend data that we're taking the IP from and podcasting and matching to. Identity says that these people have to have had a chance to opt in. So I'm creating an account. I'm choosing to get the information. I'm obviously wink, wink, reading the terms and service of what I'm committing to and what I'm giving my information away for. And if I choose not to sign in, not to give that information, they have way less that they can work with and I'm way less likely to be tracked there. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think the most interesting thing about moving away from third-party cookies is that in order to collect my email address, my fingers have to move on the keyboard. <laughs> there is, there, you know, there's nothing automated about that. Uh, so there must be a voluntary action from me to say, yes, you can, you, I am giving you my email address. I am giving you my data. And, you know, I hope that people are spending a little more time than a single wink, maybe a double wink on the terms and conditions <laughs> to understand how their data is being used. I have I found that actually they're starting to become more readable, which thank goodness. I think that that's I think that that's exactly right. That when you move to identity, you now have the opportunity to connect to those ecosystems actually in a better way than you previously were able to, right? Because I mean, first of all, you know for sure who the person is because they're telling you their email address. So you're no longer guessing is this person using this device or is it a shared device in the household, things like that, right? So you know exactly who the person is because they're telling you. And then I think on the back end, the, what the interesting opportunity is, is for, you know, for companies like Libram is and where I work in disclosure is essentially you can anonymize that. And then for podcasting companies who today work with IP and user agent, and honestly, many of them don't want any PII, you know, they're like, you know what? We really don't want to know who these people are. We want to work on an aggregate level only. We, we only want to be able to do the matching that is useful for advertisers. We, we don't want to deal with anything else. That's where the opportunity is, right? So you take identity and you anonymize it, and then you make it linkable to the, you know, to IP addresses or to the IDs that are available in other ecosystems. And so that's where what you were saying earlier around connected TV, you know, that's where we started is this anonymous way that is respectful of people's privacy to connect those ecosystems. And I think actually it's mostly been in talking with you that we've learned a lot about how we can then connect that to the, to the podcasting space. So, you know, I, I wonder from your perspective, when you have that identity now and you can do this anonymous connection on the, on the back end to the IP address, do you think that that's helpful to to the people in the podcasting industries? And what what are you seeing, I guess, from a from a podcasting standpoint? Yeah, I think I think that there's always two great ways to look at what we're, what people are trying to do in podcasting. 
And before I dig into that, the one thing I want to say is I've never been in a situation and being very honest with you in my career here, I've been in a lot of uncomfortable data related situations where people have said like, I want granular lists of IP addresses with their Nielsen segments or LiveRamp segments with their email and address. I've never been in a situation where people are like buying that. So when we talk about privacy, the the ground floor I want to list is that like, it's, it's like, can I target this user has been what it is. It's not like, oh my God, I have a, I have an entire cabinet full of printouts of everybody's mailing address who's ever been read or seen my podcast or listened to my podcast. But I think that what you're saying is right. The aggregate is really attractive because if there's a third party that we can validate that, you know, that says, hey, I am storing this correctly. I am handling things legally. They do have opt-in. My job is to make sure that the opt-in is active and valid, that this information is deterministic. So submitted themselves and, and gathered correctly versus probabilistic, which a lot of assumptions can be made there. You know, I think that that's very, very attractive in podcasting because it allows two things. One, which I think we focus on too heavily, is user identification. I think that everybody is so obsessed in finding Rashab listening to a specific podcast, or someone who's looking to buy ketchup or someone very specific. And I think that honestly, what what could be even more attractive and what I think we need to start thinking about as an industry is not just taking that about at time of impression, but looking it to see the show, right? Because with IP address, you're only able to see the digital household. You're not able to actually see the individual user. So that means that there could be thousands of segments that are returned back associated with that. And that targeting platform, the hosting provider and podcasting has to decide which one is relevant or if all of them are, if they're trying to find you. But if you take a look at the million downloads that have happened for a specific show or episode, and then you take a look at all of the segments by each user, you're going to be able to weed out which ones are the users because there's going to be a lot of overlap between them and which ones are the other people in their household. Now, I'm not saying that there couldn't be some interesting phenomenons where like, you know, myself and my wife look exactly like the type of couple that one listens to a podcast, but the other doesn't. But that's still very interesting to know. This show is primarily listened to households that skew in this direction, male versus female, likely to purchase a new car, this type of income. And to me, show level targeting and contextual level targeting is really where we need to focus because I think it adds the largest scale of value because not every IP address is going to identify an individual or household, but every show is going to have a profile. I think that that's, I mean, that's really interesting. And, you know, I'll just draw a parallel in the digital ecosystem that we're starting to see emerge, you know, because that's where I spend most of my life is in the digital ecosystem. And I think that what is really interesting is you starting to see these articles come out, like the New York Times, for example, is saying, hey, we're going to like really focus on our first party data and our contextual data. And I think what you're saying is, is really insightful because as people are preparing, at least on the digital side for the departure of the third party cookie, even on the digital side, people are saying, hey, actually, you know what? there's a lot of value to be had from having good first party and contextual data and, and are really actually investing a lot in making sure that the use of that is useful and, and, and provides good scale and value to, to advertisers. So I think it's super interesting that, that you say that, you know, there's a really big opportunity in podcasting as we're seeing that the digital side is slowly starting to do it. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's because we are, you know, everyone kept saying podcasting needs to catch up, catch up. They need cookies. They need mobile device IDs and Spotify with their server-side ad insertion and walled garden. Like, yeah, good on them. They have that data. That's very neat. But the rest of the space is just not going to get it. And then this, the, the hit for cookies, the hit for mobile device ID on iOS 14, that basically said to the whole industry, like, no, it's not podcasting us to catch up with you. It's you're now down at the level of podcasting. And you're going to be working with less data and less identifiers and less information. So you have to do more with it or you have to think about it in a different way. And I think the more with it is very clearly identity. And the different way is revisiting contextual, something that I think everybody in in any advertising space always likes to trumpet, but doesn't get a lot of buy-in. But I think I, I got a gut feeling that right now, contextual is going to be kind of the next big thing. Yeah, I think that... I think that is the intersection of those two things that we're going to see a lot of innovation in the in the coming years because it is I think a new opportunity for a lot of publishers and advertisers to seek you know direct identity like we've been talking about and I think that there's going to be very interesting ways that people intersect that with with the contextual information to really provide good experiences so you know, I, I, as a consumer of podcasts, the thing that I actually like about podcasts, which I understand a lot of people like, is is that it's host read, and and when they make it personal, then it's like, okay, you know, I can I, I can kind of relate to that, and and that's the host actually using context to basically provide a better ad experience, right? It's like the context is you're listening to that host's podcast, and so being host read and and having it be personal is actually more relevant. It's, it's a more pleasant experience to listen to that than, than it is to listen to. And if you get that context and then you use identity, meaning now the thing that that person is talking about is relevant to me, then all of a sudden that experience is actually very enjoyable to engage with, right? You, you now sort of look forward to listening to what that person is saying. I super agree. I see. And I think a lot of us don't actually hate advertisement. We just hate mis, uh, misaligned advertisement. I don't need to be advertised the item that I just purchased. Sell me the accessories now. But it was so great having you on here. I think we covered a lot of really great things here. And I'm going to do my favorite thing and put you on the spot. And I'm going to ask, what is the uh, what podcast are you listening to right now? Oh, wow. I recently got into Kara Swisher Sway. That is the most recent podcast that that has come into my repertoire yeah i'll have to check that out well thank you so much for joining me and and i definitely will have you back in the future all right thanks a lot brian it was fun talking to you about identity and stick around for some special bonus content at the end of the episode I've teamed up with Evo Terra to give you a minute-long strategic thought that is guaranteed to shift your perspective on the present and future of podcasting as we all work to make podcasting better. Thanks for listening to Sounds Profitable on your favorite podcast app. I appreciate you checking out my latest episode and hope you'll consider subscribing. Thanks to Rashab Jain for coming on to help expand on my article, Does the Loss of Digital ID Impact Podcast Advertising? 
If you like what you heard and want to connect, you can find me, Brian Barletta, on LinkedIn, way less formally on Twitter as High Five RPG, and of course, you can email me, Brian at soundsprofitable.com. The Sounds Profitable podcast and all cool ad tech bells and whistles you've experienced were thanks to our host and sponsor, Wushka. Everything you've heard since the conversation ended was uniquely created to target you using their dynamic ad insertion features. If any of the callouts were wrong, let us know. Depending on how you're listening, there were over 10 opportunities to hear dynamically inserted content and ads in this episode. While we continue to tweak and innovate our setup, some of the breaks may be more noticeable than others. Thank you for bearing with us and please send over your feedback. The Sounds Profitable podcast would not be possible without the help and support of Evo Terra, James Cridlin, Ian Powell, and Sam Mars. Thank you all for your help and support.